，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Domestic COVID case numbers continued rising on Friday, reaching a new high of 11,974. New Taipei had the most cases at over 4,000, followed by Taipei with 2,702 cases and Taoyuan with 1,987 cases. Those with moderate symptoms accounted for 29 people, while one person had severe symptoms. The CECC also reported two COVID-related deaths. Since the start of the pandemic, more than 100,000 people have been officially diagnosed with COVID by way of a PCR test. Taipei Mayor Ko Wenzhou has proposed skipping the PCR test and using a rapid test instead. On Friday, Health Minister Chen Shizhong rejected the proposal. This is what he had to say. We are currently doing fewer than 100,000 PCR tests a day, and we have a daily capacity of 190,000 PCR tests. Secondly, if we replace PCR tests with rapid tests, I have to explain something to everyone. What we're seeing is that 88% to 90% of those who test positive with a rapid test will test positive with a PCR test. This means that 10% will not actually have COVID-19. If we treat them as confirmed patients and then list their contacts as COVID contacts who need to go into home isolation, there would be a greater social cost than necessary. Thirdly, there is the legal issue involved. Testing positive imposes restrictions on freedom. If someone tests positive and they aren't actually infected, that will result in excessive restrictions on their freedom. Also on Friday, the CECC announced new COVID rules governing food and package deliveries. As a safety precaution, drivers are no longer allowed into hospitals to make deliveries. Confirmed COVID cases and contacts of COVID cases may not open their doors to make face-to-face -face contact with delivery drivers. Offenders can be reported by the driver. In addition, the CECC said it might set up a special team of couriers to handle riskier deliveries. Taipei City Council is grappling with a COVID cluster that's now grown to 10 cases. The outbreak began last week with an independent councillor, and has since spread to four other councillors and five staffers and security guards. As a precaution, one non-infected councillor has asked most of her staffers to work from home. Another councillor has spent 10 days sleeping in his office to avoid bringing the virus home to his infant grandson. He carries blankets and a pillow to the office sofa, where he lays them down. Amid a COVID outbreak at Taipei City Council, Councillor Zhang Maonan has spent the past 10 days sleeping in his office. We have a baby at home who's only a month old. As a grandfather, I feel that with all these councillors testing positive, it's best for me to stay here for 10 days. With domestic transmission gathering pace, an outbreak has struck Taipei City Council. Independent City Councilor Huang Yufen tested positive last week, followed by the DPP's Wang Mingsheng this Tuesday. 
The KMT's Daishi Chin this Wednesday and fellow party member Gung Wei this Thursday. As a precaution, the city government sent three mobile PCR testing stations to the city council. New party councillor Ho Han Ting tested positive early Friday morning, along with five councillors' assistants and building security guards. I tested positive. Right now, my throat's a bit scratchy and I'm a bit woozy. Other than that, I have no serious symptoms. I feel guilty about any friends or family who may have been infected by me. Right now, I have a slight cough, a sore throat, and I'm a bit wheezy if I talk a lot. And I have a tingling sensation in my lungs. It really is more uncomfortable than getting a cold. Although it's an election year, the health and safety of the public is more important than anything else. So I'll stick to avoiding contact with others for 17 days. The councillor appeared fatigued and out of breath as she spoke. She and councillor Ho have switched to conducting their work activities online or through telephone. As a precaution, KMT councillor Angela Ying has put all but one staffer on work from home. She's also suspended all in-person meetings. Actually, councillors and their assistants are a high-risk group to begin with. I've suggested to the city council speaker that we could hold another day of testing. Yesterday's testing came on short notice, and lots of people couldn't make it. With case numbers rising quickly, many politicians have expressed concerns. They're taking every precaution to reduce the risk of infection. Taipei conducted a COVID vaccination drill at a primary school on Friday, ahead of its rollout to Moderna to young children starting next week. A half dose of Moderna will be offered to children aged 6 to 11 nationwide. But online polls show high hesitancy about vaccines among parents of young children, many of whom prefer Pfizer. On Friday, Taipei Deputy Mayor Tsai Bing-kun said he believed that the Moderna rollout should be postponed until the time when Pfizer for children is also available. With a slight trepidation, this young student reports to the vaccine site and meets a doctor for her evaluation before presenting her arm for a shot. Across the nation, elementary schools are preparing to roll out COVID vaccines. On Friday, Taipei conducted a drill on vaccine administration. The city plans to administer Moderna starting on May 5th. Vaccine recipients can take leave of up to nine days from school. That's left some parents concerned about childcare. Each child will need to submit a consent form filled in by a parent. The form will detail the child's health status, which a doctor will use to decide if the child should take the vaccine. Ahead of Taipei's rollout of Moderna, the central government said that it's also ordered the Pfizer vaccine for children. The news has made some parents hesitate over what vaccine to get for their child. Taipei City Deputy Mayor Tsai Bing-kun said his city should postpone its Moderna rollout and wait until Pfizer is available as well. He criticized his own administration for being too hasty and for, quote, incompetent leadership that will exhaust the city's resources. When we ask hospitals to send people to our schools to help vaccinate children, there's a lot of back and forth involved. After Pfizer arrives, we will have to go through that process again. I think that this process puts a lot of pressure on our overall medical capacity. How should we streamline our operations? How can we make a plan that doesn't force us to repeat the process with Pfizer? Repeating the process would be quite a considerable cost to pay. According to an online poll, 21.4% of parents are considering not giving their child Moderna. Another 30.9% percent of parents say they will outright refuse the vaccine. That's 52.3 percent of parents who are hesitating 
over the brand. Addressing mounting concerns from parents, one physician had this to say. The epidemic is already quite heated in Taiwan, and community transmission is picking up. Children are at greater risk if they become infected. I personally think that they should be given whatever vaccine is available first, because we don't know exactly when Pfizer doses for children will arrive, and we don't know how long the seal inspections will take, whether they could drag on for some time. If you knew the exact dates, it would be a different story. You could do whatever you wanted. The doctor said speed was of the essence in curbing spread among children. He said he hoped to provide provide balanced information for parents to use to make a decision. Strong earnings reports sent U.S. stocks rebounding sharply on Thursday. Following the Wall Street rally, Taiwan shares staged a comeback, led by semiconductor stocks. TSMC took off its malaise, opening up 16 NT and finishing 1.32% higher. MediaTek, Novatek and Largan also bounced back. Major shipping stocks closed up by more than 4%. The broader market stayed high throughout the session and closed up 172 points at 16,592 on turnover of 255.4 billion NT. Taiwan stocks fell by more than 1,000 points in April, so we think we'll see a rebound in May. We think this momentum will continue. The market is already seeing the early effects of the rapid testing push. We asked around about the second quarter revenues and profits of the rapid testing industry, and it's looking like the numbers will reach new highs. But to be frank, the numbers are already at historic highs. You want to know if they'll go even higher. We could end up with the situation we saw with mass concept stocks. That's concerning for the market. A rationing program for rapid tests is underway and customers are racing to get their kits. This rush for tests has driven strong gains in rapid testing stocks. With foreign capital flooding back, the new Taiwan dollar moved higher on Friday. The greenback lost 0.045 NT against the Taiwan unit to close at 29.48 NT. To stabilize at this level, the yen must stem its depreciation and rise again. It cannot continue to depreciate. If it does, it'll send other countries into a devaluation war, and that will accelerate the outflow of foreign capital. That will also weaken our purchasing power. The U.S. Federal Reserve is expected to raise its interest rates in May. With the greenback set to stay strong versus Asian currencies, traders are advised to tread carefully. In recent years, Taiwan's fishing industry has been pledged with accusations that it abuses its migrant workers. In response, Taiwan has pledged 2 billion NT to strengthen human rights protections in the industry. One measure it plans to take is raising the monthly minimum wage for migrant fishermen. Our reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. Taiwan operates the world's second-largest deep-sea fishing fleet. According to the COA, there are about 21,000 migrant workers on board Taiwanese owned distant water fishing vessels. But the industry has recently come under fire for the alleged abuse of migrant fishermen. In response, the government has pledged to spend 2 billion NT over four years to strengthen human rights protections. The funding will go toward the Fishing Industry and Human Rights Action Plan, which was passed by the cabinet on April 21. We 
We propose more measures with the executive yuan. Salaries will be increased by 100 US dollars a month, from 400 US dollars to 550 US dollars. Based on my preliminary estimates, deep sea fishery operators will need to pay an additional 700 million NT or 800 million NT. We will propose corresponding subsidy programs for deep sea fishery operators. The goal is to ensure that each of the 21,000 plus fishery workers will receive 550 US dollars in July. Besides the wage hike, the action plan contains other measures to strengthen worker welfare. Migrant workers and fishing vessels will receive medical insurance coverage of at least 300,000 NT. Their accident insurance coverage will also be increased from 1 million NT to 1.5 million NT. Salaries must be paid directly to fishers instead of through an agency. Crews must not remain at sea for more than 10 consecutive months. In addition, the COA will strengthen its oversight of fishing vessels to monitor working conditions. Disputes over working hours occur. The owner and the worker might have different versions of the story, but there are ways to have a clearer record of what happened. Perhaps the ship can install CCTV. That would provide a guarantee to both sides. Trials are underway right now in some vessels. When everything is recorded, there are no more disputes. The government hopes the action plan will help put an end to human rights abuses on deep-sea vessels and better protect the rights of migrant fishermen. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lee Junwei in Taipei. The U.S. House of Representatives has unanimously passed a bill to support Taiwan's observer status at the World Health Assembly. The House passed the bill in a vote of 425 to 0 after the same bill passed the Senate last year. The legislation will now go to U.S. President Joe Biden, who is expected to sign it into law. On Friday in Taipei, President Tsai Ing-wen received a group of U.S.-based Taiwanese businessmen that had lobbied for the bill in Washington. Speaking at the reception, she outlined three of her policy goals and appealed to the business group for its support. Let's hear from her. The world is now entering a post-pandemic era. In the face of the restructuring of the global supply chain, the government announced in January that it would extend three major investment projects for another three years, with 430 billion NT in new loans. We hope this will lead to at least 900 billion NT in investments. We strongly welcome investors back to Taiwan to create greater prosperity for the country together. Secondly, Taiwanese business people who live overseas are familiar with the regulations and resources of their local market. In the future, we hope to continue enlisting their assistance in promoting talent, industry and technology links between the U.S. and Taiwan. Thirdly, we hope they will continue to exert their influence to deepen Taiwan-U.S. ties. Tsai extended a warm welcome to the expats, noting they had chosen to return despite having to undergo home isolation and self-help management. She said she was grateful to them for continuing to support Taiwan while living overseas. As Taiwan grappled with COVID-19 last year, the restaurant industry was severely hit. But some chefs found ways to emerge from the crisis stronger than ever. First-time food truck owner Chen Xiangling is one of the entrepreneurs who cracked the pandemic puzzle. She tapped into the trend for takeaways by offering hot dogs on the streets of Taipei. Now a franchise system is in the works.
buns are laid under the grill and toasted golden before cheese and lettuce form a bed for tomatoes, onion pickled cucumbers, and a hot dog made of Taiwanese mince. Italian-style dipping sauce completes the signature dish of this food truck. Food truck owner Chen Xiangling told us how two years ago she bought this European electric van. She wanted to run an American food business at reasonable prices to cater to all customers. But rental prices for restaurants were prohibitive for her startup funds. She renovated the van herself and started selling hot dogs on the streets of Taipei. She didn't expect her first foray into the world of the food truck business would be such a roaring success. I didn't really think far ahead at the time. It was just a wish and a blessing. At the time, it was the first wave of the pandemic and nobody knew how to handle it. Everyone was afraid to eat indoors, so large restaurants basically had no patrons. Whereas it was here, on this tiny patch of land, where customers could easily buy something and take it away. Chen sells more than 100 hot dogs a day. Rent for her van is a third of restaurant rental prices. Utilities are just a tenth of those for rented buildings. And the truck is so small, a single worker can run it. All in all, profit margins are higher even than the fabled profit margins of drink stores. If it weren't for this food truck, we wouldn't have stayed in business up until now. In a pandemic like this, the bigger your restaurant is, the bigger a burden you have with the labor costs, ingredient costs, and the utilities management. The small-scale business model is an upcoming trend. The food and drink sector was one of the hardest hit by the pandemic. But by designing her business carefully, this chef has managed to carve her own path through the crisis. Time now for a peek into the world of Japanese cuisine in Taiwan. A ramen shop in Jiayi has been going strong for more than four decades. Beloved by patrons for its hearty broths and cozy family-run atmosphere. History buffs can also enjoy a slice of restaurant history as they inspect antiques from the early days of the business. A piping hot bowl of ramen is served. The customer enjoys a mouthful of noodles and a satisfying sip of broth. I've been eating here for four or five years because I love the taste of the ramen. I think the ramen broth here is very rich. Their tempura is very special too. I think it tastes great and the space is lovely. This Japanese ramen shop has been open here in Jai City for more than 40 years. Many loyal customers come back to enjoy another bowl time after time. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, numerous pans are bubbling furiously on the stove. Everyone knows broth is the real heart of a good bowl of ramen. Fresh pork and chicken bones are brought here every day to boil down until they're milky white. It smells just like a real Japanese eatery. The shop was founded by the current owner's father-in-law, who started the business after a scout trip to Japan over four decades ago. This was the marketing leaflet my father-in-law used 41 years ago. The phone number is six digits. Now phone numbers are seven digits. This bowl is from around the same period. We don't want the skills my grandpa handed down to disappear, so we want to keep the shop running well. This little ramen joint is now moving into the hands of its third generation. Original leaflets and tableware from the early days can still be seen inside. 
If you're in Jai, make sure to pop in for a bite of history, a warm welcome, and of course, a very satisfying meal. Turning now to the weather, it will be a wet Labor Day weekend in the north and eastern parts of the island, under the influence of an incoming front. Temperatures are expected to cool in the region, with daytime highs reaching just 24 degrees. This week from Monday to Thursday, a humid cloud system will move in from the south, bringing a chance of showers nationwide. It's been a week of high temps and sunny skies, but the streak is coming to an end. Starting at noon on Friday, the approach of a new weather front brought showers to the north and east. On Saturday, the front will already have passed through, and the weather will be affected by the northeasterly winds. On the windward side of the northern and eastern regions, there will be a chance of brief, intermittent showers throughout the day. From Monday to Thursday, a humid cloud system will sweep in from the south, increasing the chance of rain nationwide. On Friday and Saturday, be on the alert for localized heavy rain in the north and east. Starting on Sunday, the northeasterly winds will start to strengthen, bringing more wet weather and cooler temps to the north and east, where daytime highs are projected at 24 degrees Celsius. On Monday, rains are expected nationwide, as the northeasterly winds continue to linger and a moist cloud system moves in from the south. As for the upcoming plumbering season, the Central Weather Bureau expects rainfall to range between average and below average, and temperatures to range between average and above average. Over recent years, Taiwan's plum rains have become increasingly concentrated and intense. That's heightened the risk of disasters and made it more difficult to make accurate forecasts. The impact of the plum rains can be quite different from locality to locality. On the whole, we expect this season's rainfall to range between average and below average, but plum rain fronts can bring days of heavy rain as well as short periods of downpours. These hazards are a possibility. Amid global warming, weather events are becoming more extreme the world over. Forecasters say that short bursts of heavy rain will become increasingly frequent, so Taiwan should prepare for floods to minimize losses.